and Auden and Amelia are going to come and share our reading this morning from the prophet Jeremiah. Hmm? Hmm? It's not on. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in <laughs> Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set apart I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone. I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. David is going to share with us our reading from the Gospel of Luke. Beginning with verse 10. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman who was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When he saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, You are free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrite! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your donkey or ox from the stall and lead it out to the water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all of his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Friends, let us pray together. Holy and gracious God, we come into your presence and we ask for your spirit to open our minds so we understand, open our hearts so that we can receive all that you would have us do, all that you would have us say, the way you would have us live in this world. And God, then we pray that as we leave this place, you would put our hands and our feet to service, that we might live out the truth that we learned today. We pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. How many of you have ever felt inadequate? I trust those giggles and those laughs are, uh, it resonates with you, doesn't it? We've felt inadequate. Maybe, uh, Maybe you felt inadequate as a spouse or a parent or 
as uh, someone employed in a particular vocation, maybe even you felt inadequate as a Christian. Have you ever felt that way? Do the words of the prophet Jeremiah, I'm, I'm, I'm too young, I'm read in that, I'm not adequate. Does that resonate with you this morning? I'll tell you about an experience where I felt very, very inadequate. It was my first day as a chaplain at Overlook Hospital in Summit, New Jersey. And I was in training. I was in uh, clinical pastoral education, it's called. And I, I was, you know, I was young and I knew everything. And so I was ready to go. You know, I had uh, freshly gotten my Master of Divinity degree. Friends, I had mastered the divine. <laughs> and I was ready to go. So I walked into the hospital, and um, I had, we had our orientation the day before, and then I went to the floor to which I was assigned, and I got my census. Now, the census is a recording of all of the patients that are on that floor that day, and different demographic information about them, you know, the religious background and this and that. So I got my demographic information, and I had it in my hand. I set out to my floor. I was adequate. I was ready to go. I, I knew what I was doing. Ha ha. <laughs> I got up. I was on the 10th floor of Overlook Hospital. I got off the elevator, and the first thing I heard was screaming and yelling. That was my first indication that maybe I wasn't quite as adequate as I thought. I stepped off that elevator with a little bit of fear and trembling. I thought, no, you know, I, I'm good. I can do this. So, you know, me being, as, being adequate and having mastered the divine, I started walking toward the yelling. Got down to the end of the hallway, and I encountered this family. They were screaming at each other. And when I say screaming at each other, they were screaming at each other. You could probably hear them all through the hospital, even on different floors. So I walked in the room, and um, you know, I had my collar on, and they took one look at me and then went back to screaming. <laughs> and uh, you know, in, a, in, a, in a quiet voice, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm Chaplain Evan. I had to raise my voice several times before they could hear me. What I came to ascertain in that room was there was an elderly gentleman there in the hospital bed. And you could, you could tell by, um, by the way he was in the bed and by um, the sounds and the different things going on in the room that he was really near the end of his life. And his children were all gathered there with him, five of them, all grown adult children, plus his spouse who was sitting off in a chair by herself with her head buried in her hands. I started to not feel so adequate. So I managed to connect with one of this, one of this, this, gentleman, this uh, dying gentleman's kids, and, and I said, hey, I said, uh, hey, what's going on? So he started to tell me, very freely volunteering information, about how much he hated his siblings. You see, this gentleman was, was dying, and the siblings who had all been estranged one from the other had gathered there around his hospital bed. 
quite begrudgingly, I might add. Um, and it wasn't long when they all got together in that little room before old tensions and arguments and spats started to bubble up to the surface. And um, they were at each other's throats. And we were th- I was there talking to this gentleman, and the words from the prophet Jeremiah popped in my head. And I thought in that moment that there was nobody on earth who could feel or be more inadequate to the needs of the moment than I was. See here, I had all this head knowledge. I'd gone to seminary. I'd studied for three years. I was in the process of of being ordained in, in the church. But confronting these messy realities of life and family dynamics and broken relationships and anger and antagonism, oh, very quickly... I started to realize how inadequate I was to minister to this family in that moment. So I managed to calm everybody down, and um, I think once all of them, they were, they were all Greek Orthodox. So I think once they kind of saw the caller and realized who I was, that was enough. They, you know, they, they kind of stopped, and at least out of perhaps deference, to the collar that I wore, uh, decided we could save our yelling at each other for a little bit later on. And so I said to them, I said, you know, I said, would it be okay if we just prayed together? And they said, yeah, I guess we could do that. So I went over and I, uh, I said to his spouse who was sitting near him, I said, is it okay? Can I, can I hold your hand? Can we hold hands together around your husband? And, and as I searched for words. I said, can we just pray the Lord's Prayer? Here I was trying to think of something profound to say, something that would um, pierce through my felt inadequacies and bring something profound and meaningful to them. And you know what I could come up with? Can we just pray the Lord's Prayer? They said, yeah, that would, that would be okay. So here we were in this moment and... Um, maybe with a little bit of arm twisting, I got all the siblings around that gentleman's bed with his wife, their mother. We held hands. We prayed the Lord's Prayer. When we said amen, the whole feeling in that room had changed. Siblings, instead of avoiding eye contact, started to look at each other. There was a feeling in the room that was different. The the tension had been diffused. At least for a moment, the antagonism had had lowered to a dull roar. And I thought to myself, okay, this this is something. This is a start. And I said, would it be okay tomorrow if I could come back and just see how you're doing and maybe we could pray the Lord's Prayer together again? And they all said, yeah, I I think we'd like that. Well, I returned the next day. I got up there and I got off the elevator and it was silence. I thought, okay, this is a good thing. There's no screaming. There's no yelling. There's no cursing each other out. This is good. I made my way down the hallway and I I could hear voices and conversation. I walked in and there was one of the sisters, one of the brothers, Two of the kids of this gentleman who I remember the day before had been looking at each other and screaming some of the most hateful things I've heard at each other. There they were, standing next to their father, holding each other's hand. 
I almost started to cry. It was so beautiful. And so we started talking a little bit more, and I, could, I, I saw this gentleman's wife. She was sitting in that same chair, but instead of being hunched over with her head in her face, she was sitting up straight, and she even had a, a little bit of a smile. She was sitting there. And I could just sense in the room that things were starting to shift and to change. We prayed the Lord's Prayer again, and as I left, one of, the, one of this gentleman's kids, one of the siblings followed me out, and he said, you know... He said, I don't know what you did. He said, but after we prayed that prayer yesterday, he said, everything felt different. I said, yeah. I said, I, I felt that too. And he said, I, he said, I don't know what's going to happen with dad, and I, I don't know what's going to happen with mom. We've got to think about her care now. He said, but at least now, me and my siblings, we can talk to each other about it. What a moment. What a moment. Friends, I had walked into that situation feeling adequate. I had the answers. I knew what I was going to do. Do you hear the problem with those sentences? What's the pronoun? I. There was was arrogance in my feelings of adequacy. And as soon as I faced a situation over which I had no control, that was rife with conflict, that was uh, just, just full of antagonism and anger. I, those feelings went away quickly. And I felt like Jeremiah. Lord, I, I can't. But when the pronoun shifted from I, I, me, to him, that's when everything changed. Through the simple words of the Lord's Prayer, the Spirit of God came into that room, started to change people's hearts and attitudes toward each other. And when I got out of the way and God could work through me, then my inadequacies, as real as they are then and now, those fall away. Those don't matter. Because it's God working through me, not me trying to come into a situation and do things in my own strength. The three major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. In, I, in, uh, in Jeremiah chapter 1, in Ezekiel chapter 2, and in Isaiah chapter 6, all of them record a call story. That is uh, God speaking to these prophets and commissioning them for the prophetic work that they have to do in their time and place. And as you heard uh, in the reading from Jeremiah, the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah that God has called him to this office to be a prophet. And his response is what? No, I'm, I'm too young. I'm inadequate. And then what does God say to Jeremiah? The Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words In your mouth. Isaiah and Ezekiel as well. Both of them, the scripture records that they too speak to God with feelings of inadequacy. Isaiah says, Lord, what shall I say? Ezekiel as well. There's a sense of being inadequate when confronted with the task of ministry. 
of speaking a word to people that will bring God's love and healing into the room. The prophets felt it. And friends, I'm here to tell you that if you are a baptized Christian, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, you too are called to be a prophet. You too are an Isaiah or an Ezekiel or a Jeremiah. That is the ministry to which we all have been called. And friends, we should approach it just as Jeremiah approached it. What What can I say? Friends, it's in this moment that feeling inadequate is a good sign. That's a good thing. Because there's something of the enormity of the moment, isn't there? Friends, as as fellow prophets, look look at the world around us. Have you seen more division, more conflict, more antagonism, more, more tribalism, this group against this group? More offense. We see it all around us, don't we? From the family unit all the way to the international stage. It's dysfunction. It's conflict, antagonism, hatred. And our day, friends, is really no different than Jeremiah's day. The people of God have been taken into captivity. This this, uh, pagan power has overtaken them, has destroyed the temple, has disrupted their lives. They've been taken away. And Jeremiah, as a very young man, has been called to speak God's Word to these people who desperately, desperately want to hear from God. And Jeremiah is the one to take the message. Friends, when we think of prophets or prophecy, so often we can have in our minds these uh, sort of almost Notre Dame-like figures who predict the future, who are going to tell how things might be generations from now. But when we encounter the Old Testament prophets, that's not at all what the prophetic office was like. For the Old Testament prophets, here's what they did. They constantly looked around at the times they were in. And they saw the injustice and the lack of righteousness and people who were abusing and misusing others and called them out for it and warned them and said, if you don't change, if you don't have a a repentance, which is a reorientation, a, a, a moving around, a turning from one direction and going in another, if there is none of that, then these will be the consequences. That's what prophets did. And they didn't speak out of, uh, out of their own lives, out of their own experience. They didn't say what they wanted to say. They spoke what God gave them. Boy, friends, if you want to really find conflict, then stand up in today's world and speak God's truth. It's true. Friends, in a world in which everyone is offended by everything, God's truth is incredibly offensive. Because we appeal to a higher standard, don't we? Through through our lives being saturated in Scripture, in prayer, in the teachings of the church, it's not us who speak. We don't speak. When we make room where we can understand and realize our own inadequacies, 
and move ourselves out of the way so that through our own time with God, it comes so that we are so saturated in Him that He speaks through us. Friends, that's the prophetic task. That's the thing to which all of us are called. And don't be surprised when, as I said last week when I referenced Oscar Wilde, when you tell the truth, people will hate you. It's true. When we stand up and, and, and we speak and we say that this is, this is what God has to say, or applying it to a particular situation, that, is that this is how the people of God should live, or this is what God calls us to. It can be a frightening thing. Because we live in a day and age where often there's antagonism to someone standing up and saying, this is God's truth. This is God's truth. We might even find ourselves in the situation not that we are Jesus. Don't take that away from my sermon today. But as David read for us in in Luke, where Jesus goes and He heals even good religious people. We're mad at him. Because Jesus met someone's need. He had a human connection with someone who had been suffering for years. He loved her, and in that moment when he healed her, but by the book, by the law, they felt he'd broken it. And so they got mad at him. The Old Testament prophets, Jesus, Paul, the apostles, All of them have this same common denominator. That's this. When they stand and speak and act on behalf of the God who has called them and commissioned them, they get in trouble. That's my message for you today, friends. When we, like Jeremiah, all of us called to be prophets, to speak on behalf of God into the situations of the world, when we dare, even when those around us tell us not to, when we dare to love like Jesus loved, to be His hands and feet in the world, we're going to get into trouble. We're going to get into trouble. Friends, this morning, no matter what you bring to this place, no matter how you feel, whether you feel that you're gifted or not, whether you feel you're adequate or you're not, Friends, set all that aside. Encounter God. Spend time with God. Saturate your life in prayer. Exercise your spiritual muscles. Friends, if you sit and you wait to feel like you can share God's Word with somebody, you'll probably be sitting where you are for a very long time. Speaking, sharing, being the hands and feet of God in this world. It's a muscle that we exercise. We have to try it out. We have to do things that make us feel uncomfortable. We have to walk into rooms where there's conflict and division, hatred and anger, and say, this is what God says. Let's pray together. That's what we're called to do. That is the task of a prophet to which each of us has been called. Friends, my prayer for you and for me, for all of us, is that we have the boldness 
the strength to realize our own inadequacies, to put ourselves out of the way, and to say, God, in whatever way you deem fit, use me to bring hope and healing to the world. Amen.